So, Richard, I can't hear you. Yeah, you're not coming through. No, Rich. The problem is, you have to unmute yourself. Otherwise, I'll never be able to hear you. So, church family, who would have thought that, that in 2020, we'd start most meetings, not with prayer or with a big rousing speech or with a normal hello, but with you have to unmute yourself. Because all of a sudden we're in this different world and, and, and we have to meet virtually. And over and over again, we have to figure out ways to unmute ourselves. It kind of paints such a great picture of how important clear communication is. If COVID has taught us anything, it's taught us the importance of clear communication. Clear communication saves confusion. I don't know if you've tried to make sense of any of the lockdown regulations. They, they are hard to figure out. If they could just be clearer. If you think about it, all learning depends on clear communication. Has the teacher actually said what the pupil needs to hear? Um, we, we know it, but, but we know now, I think, more than any other time that clear communication is so vitally needed in our world. A lot of the anger in our world is because people haven't felt heard. I remember being a peace monitor back before the 94 elections and talking to somebody at a protest and asking the person why they were acting in such a violent way. And, and surely there were other ways. And, and, and I was just struck by the person saying to me, but sir, this thing that we want, we've been asking for it for 27 years and nobody's heard us. Clear communication is so vital. The Bible talks a lot about communication and how important it is. James 1 verse 19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. Clear communication. Proverbs 31.8, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. A desperate need to be heard. But what if we aren't heard, not because of someone who's not listening, but because we have muted ourselves. One of the things that's happened with COVID is that people around the world are praying more than ever before. In our own church, we see more people praying online than we ever saw praying uh, together in churches. And it is just a fact, more and more people are praying. It's exciting because praying is about communication. Praying is about talking to God. I hope we make the most of this moment. I hope we make the most of this moment where, where we are praying more than we ever have before. I hope we don't treat this moment uh, like, the, like the desperate consulting of the instructions so that we can make the kid's toy after the toy's already been broken. Or, or, or treat it like the couple sitting in front of the therapist after 30 years because they've discovered they're not communicating properly in their relationship. I hope we don't treat it like the, the atheist in the foxhole, desperately just crying out to a God they don't even believe in. I, I desperately hope that we as a church family take this moment to say, God, 
This prayer, this thing about prayer, we want to learn to do it properly. We don't just want it to be a momentary thing that once the crisis is over, we back away from it. Wouldn't it be great if we as a church take this moment and say, Lord, teach us to pray. You know, that's a line out of the Bible. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says this, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And so over the next four weeks in our sermons and over the next eight weeks in our life groups, we are going to be learning how to pray. We are going to be turning to Jesus and saying, teach us to pray. Because the truth is, Jesus is the perfect teacher in terms of communicating with God, the perfect teacher. And so what does Jesus do in response to his disciples saying, teach us to pray? Well, he, he then begins the Lord's Prayer. And, 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 and he says to him, when you pray, do it like this. But often we take that prayer and turn it into exactly the opposite of what Jesus meant it to be. We turn it into a recitation. And, and it's interesting that the disciples didn't say to Jesus, teach us a prayer. He didn't, they didn't say that. They said, teach us to pray. They'd seen something about the way Jesus prayed, not just the words he said, but everything around how he prayed. And they, and they realized, like John the Baptist, this was something really different and amazing, and they wanted to be like that. Why? Why? Because Jesus was doing something really different. And so he teaches them to pray. That's, it's really important that the lesson's not just in the prayer itself. That prayer's given us twice in the Bible. Once by Matthew um, and once by Luke, and it's in different contexts, and so Jesus probably gave this lesson more than once to his disciples. But one of the things Jesus wants to teach his disciples right in the beginning, before he even gets to the let's say the prayer part, is to help them understand that when we pray, it needs to be something that comes from our heart. And so in Matthew, he talks about, be careful how you practice your righteousness. Don't give in front of a lot of people. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. What's Jesus doing there? He's, he's telling them that this thing of prayer isn't some big ritual that you practice to make other people feel bad or to make yourself feel better. It's, it's something that must come out of your heart. It must be a desire to have a conversation with your father. And so he, he gives it that lesson. He says, guys, if you're going to pray like I pray, you've got to check your heart first. Why are you praying? Are you praying to press be, impress people? Are you praying to make yourself feel better? Or are you praying because you want to talk to your father? He then goes on to frame prayer, not as a ritual, but as an intimate conversation. Remember how the Lord's Prayer starts. 
our Father in heaven. He's doing two things there. The first thing he's doing is he's saying that remember you are talking to your Father. And he uses a very intimate term for Father. Abba, Dad. He is trying to teach his disciples that praying isn't a, 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 essentially a big ritual. It's a conversation with a Father. But it's not just any father. It is a very, very powerful father. It's a father in heaven. It's a father who rules the whole world. It's a father who has all the resources and knows everything. And, and that's who we're praying to. We, we don't have to try and impress him with fancy words and big sentences. He's our dad. And so when we pray, we can be like a little kid who falls over words and doesn't know the right things to say. But remember that there's a dad who's listening. And, and, and not only does he teach us that he's a very powerful dad, he's in heaven, but, but he, he can make things happen on earth that we could never imagine. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Dad, we're down here and we're struggling and things are not good. And we need them to change, to become like they are in heaven. Dad, Help us with that, please. So, so we should pray like Jesus teaches us to pray because we have a good Father in heaven who is all-powerful, but who's also very deeply concerned with what's going on in our world and going on with us. Give us this day our daily bread. Sometimes we think our prayers aren't right because they aren't about the big things in the world. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray about those. But we can pray about the little things, our daily bread. You see, when Jesus teaches us to pray, he's not teaching us some big ritual. He's teaching us about a conversation with our heavenly Father, who's close, who's powerful, who's concerned. But then he also wants us to remember that, that he's a forgiving Father. And not just for us, but for other people. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. You see, as we talk to God, we have to remember that it's not only about us and Him, but it's also about the whole world. I think sometimes we pray and we think that, that we have to pray a better prayer than our brother or sister down the road because, hey, you know, Dad isn't going to give them something, us something if He gives it to them. Jesus is saying, no, this Father is close, he's powerful, he's concerned, he's forgiving, and he's concerned about all of us. But then, Jesus kind of just ends the prayer in Luke. There's no amen or anything. And then he goes on to say some things about God and about prayer that we must also remember. And it's why we must learn to pray. We must learn to pray not only because God is our loving, loving Father, but we must also learn to pray and we've got to learn how to unmute ourselves because we are often tempted to give up. So in Luke, immediately after he says the prayer, Jesus then goes on to say some things like this. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, 
even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. <laughs> what, what a weird story. He's not saying God is asleep. He's saying, don't give up. Because this, you genuinely have a good father. And if you're not giving, he's not giving you what you want. It's because he's a good father. And he doesn't want you to give up asking. Because even the asking is going to change who you are in your heart. And it's going to make you closer to him and more intimate to him. Don't give up. He goes on to tell another story about not giving up. Folks, it's a big thing. Jesus wants us to learn that real prayer is deep and intimate and doesn't have to do with big rituals. It has to do with a child engaging with a good, good father. But it also has to do with sometimes us feeling that God is not listening. And he always is. And Jesus doesn't want to give us to give up because when we give up on prayer, essentially we're giving up on the relationship. We're saying, well, God doesn't. But he does. We have to pray and never give up. And so we're going to go on a, an amazing journey where we are going to learn to unmute ourselves in our prayer lives. So now we're going to, to listen to an incredible story of somebody in our church who God taught to pray. It's not an easy story, and it's not simple, but it changed her life. Hi everyone, my name is Jill Sachs, and I've been asked today just to share with you a little bit about how I learned to pray. I wish that I could share with you a wonderful, light-filled story of how I've just learned to pray in a really good fashion with some nice rules and some nice neat boundaries, but that's not how I learned to pray. Let me start at the beginning, about 20 years ago. Everything, I had absolutely everything that I'd wanted. And I must be honest, I was hedging my bets. Yes, I did go to church. Yes, I did shoot off the odd prayer to God when I was in trouble. And yes, I was always a good, good person, whatever that means. But I did think to myself, oh, there's lots of time. Let me enjoy the successes that we've worked so hard for. And later on, when I'm old, you know, I will surrender everything to God. And then absolutely everything changed. I quite literally lost everything, everything that I held dear. I lost my health. I had breast cancer and a full mastectomy and chemotherapy. My beloved husband, whom I adored, found someone else to love after 29 years. I lost my home. I lost the circle of friends we were operating in. And even at work, I lost the position that I was holding. I didn't lose the responsibility, but I lost the status. Honestly, life was devastatingly dark. All I remember about it is day after day sobbing and not knowing 
which way was up. All I was left with was a hurting and devastated son who was totally confused and a daughter who, in hindsight, was just at the beginning of a really challenging journey with mental illness. And what did I do? Well, I'm sorry to tell you that this independent woman who thought she had it all just went to pieces. I cried and I cried and I cried and I cried. And then one day, sitting on my bedroom floor, completely lost, not knowing where to go, where to turn, I cried out to God. Did I believe that he cared about me? No. Did I believe he would actually answer my prayers? If I'm honestly, truly honest, the answer is no. Did I have any faith? Hey, maybe that faith they talk about is tiny as a mustard seed. But I prayed. I had learned by that time to try to, I don't know, come to terms with my feelings, to journal. And this one day, I just started writing a letter to God. And I told him exactly how I felt, exactly how I thought I'd been let down and discarded and was useless, didn't know what was going on, had no money, had no home, didn't know where, what I would do. I just poured it out to him on paper. And then I thought, but how do, what do I do now? And because I had a faith for daily living, I started to read that. And then I thought, I'll be honest, I thought, well, I don't know if that's God talking to me. So let me take another devotion. And I remember in those days I was using Solly Osrovich's um, devotions and just crying out to God, please, please will you guide me? Please will you help me? And my dear friends, do you know that from that day he did, from that day he has talked to me every single solitary day of my life. How does he talk? He talks through a word that was written thousands of years ago. How can that be relevant? You know, I don't know. All I can tell you is we have a mysterious, wonderful, invisible God who longs to connect with us. And all we have to do is to make ourselves available. Be vulnerable. Tell him exactly what you're thinking. My print journals are not for anyone else. They're not fancy bound books with colorful um, covers. They are simply my heart's outpouring to a God who I have learned loves me more than anything else. And he has guided me in the little things. You know those little things like you're really having trouble at work with a colleague who um, you don't really like? And he has told me, I've told you, Jill, to love one another. And sometimes I don't like the advice that he gives me. And sometimes I query it. But day by day, I can give you my word. He has guided me. And you know what? He has restored my life. 
He's restored my health. He's allowed me to see the miracle of my daughter's healing. He's restored my family. He's given me meaningful and wonderful work to do. He's provided for me every single solitary way. And now I have the privilege of praying for others, lifting their prayers up, gathering their prayers and offering them to our God, the creator of the universe, the source of all light and love and power and life, longs, absolutely longs to have a personal, deep, authentic relationship with you. Oh, I encourage you. Give it a try. Just be yourself. Your Creator made you. You don't have to pretend to be anything or do anything. And may that start the most wonderful journey of your life. Pray. Just the simple act of sharing my soul with my Creator. So I encourage you, try it. It is the biggest and best blessing of my life. And I pray that it will be for you too. So may God bless you in your personal and ever unfolding journey with our living Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ.